It's time to find out the stories behind the stories. Welcome to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. Get ready for some amazing guests, along with Nick's own expertise and insight behind some of today's top news in sports. The where, why, and how. Now, here's your host, Nick Ferguson. Nick Ferguson, Secondary Perspective. It is Thursday, 10 a.m., 10.04 a.m. And on the West Coast, 104 on the East Coast. Overcast skies, 70% chance of rain here in the Los Angeles area. And run, run, is that what they have been doing? And all media outlets have been taking the story of Deflategate and running, sprinting with this story. We will have longtime Denver Broncos and Arizona State quarterback Jake Plummer on the program later on to give his take on the whole idea of what quarterbacks like to do with the balls, what they have done with the balls. Uh, but I bring in my co-host, as always, Mario Batanzi, who I know has been steaming and piping over the subject matter over the weekend. Mario, what's going on? It's just it's hilarious, Nick. Not only just this this whole situation, man. You almost couldn't make it up. All the stuff that's coming out. I mean, you, you, you're talking about fans who are starting a GoFundMe, Nick. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but pretty much anybody can start one of these GoFundMe deals where you say, "Hey, I'm trying to raise money for this and for that." Patriots fans are trying to raise money to help pay off the million dollars that they're going to owe as part of their punishment. So we're talking about uh, an NFL team, Nick, with you know that's worth billions of dollars. Robert Kraft, one of the richest men in the NFL, and they're they've raised fifteen thousand dollars so far. So it's like if you had to pay a hundred dollar fine, Nick, it's kind of like, oh well, here's here's uh, two nickels to rub together, and you know, just go ahead and put that towards your fine. That's kind of, that's kind of how I see it. And so they started this GoFundMe deal, and it's almost as if they are embracing the cheating. Like, hey, we don't really care as fans that you guys had to cheat to win a Super Bowl. We're just glad that we get to be as obnoxious as ever as Patriots fans. And, you know, just continue to be the worst fans in the NFL and in the MLB and any sport. And then on top of that, Nick, and I know this report just came out today, that the reason that they called this guy the deflator, Nick, and I'm not making this up. This is absolutely true. This is an actual report 
that they, someone made the conscientious decision to make. They called this guy the deflator because, well, you know what? He was a little bit overweight, Nick, and the guy that he worked with, he was real slim. So they called him the deflator because he wanted to lose weight. This, are you serious? This is real life, Nick. I, I mean, I almost can't say you, – you hear me stuttering because I can't handle this. There's no way that they are being serious about this. This is a big joke to them. It's almost like they're trying to say whatever they can, whatever they want, and see if people are going to buy it. And you know the Patriots fans, and pardon me for this, are so mm, – you know, I'm, I'm going to stop myself right there before I say something regret, and I'm just going to turn it over to you. Well, I tell you what, before we get into that, we have a caller on the line, Ryan Clark. What do you have to say about the flake game? Hello? Yeah, Brian Clark, you in with Nick Ferguson, secondary perspective. What do you have to say? Uh, well, you know, Nick, uh, we talked about it just the other day. I mean, at the end of the day, um, you got caught with your hands in the cookie jar. And if you get, your, get caught with your hands in the cookie jar, it doesn't matter if other quarterbacks and other people said that they've done it or they've seen other people do it. It doesn't matter. They didn't get caught. So, guy got caught. He gets punished. Deal with the punishment. Stop crying about the punishment. Deal with it. Move on. Well, well, I have to ask you, did he really get caught or did two equipment guys get caught? And this is a lot of inconclusive evidence as far as whether Tom Brady was involved with the situation or not. So he really did not get caught. Okay. Full investigation was done. Now, we could we could argue the level of investigation. We could argue the testimonies. We could argue the uh, the intentions of Mr. Wells. You, you can argue so many different things. But at the end of the day, uh, an investigation was done. And it was shown that there, there, there was an increased probability that he was made knowledgeable, he was made known of this, this deflation. And because he was made known of it, he was therefore caught. Just like probability is just like anything else when we talked about religion. I mean, none of us were there when Jesus was crucified and rose from the dead, if he did or if he didn't. We could argue that. But at the end of the day, you have millions, billions of people that believe he was. So in other words, in the same way, that we believe, the Christians believe that Jesus rose from the dead, they believe that Tom Brady had some knowledge or deflated football. Simple as that. Therefore, he got caught. Therefore, he's getting four games. Well, B. Clark, uh, thank you for the call. We still have to wait to see what happens uh, with any investigation of whether Tom Brady is going to be prosecuted at, at any point. But I have to tell you, Mario, uh, this just in, we have some breaking news. being reported that the Wells report concluded that it's probably likely that Tom Brady knew what was going on with the two equipment personnel, John Trubisky and James McNally, two of whom have been fired recently by the New England Patriots. And Tom Brady has to endure a four-game suspension that he is in the process of appealing. Now, they call it breaking news, but it's not so much breaking news if you ask me, because first and foremost, and we talked to Shannon Sharp about this Hall of Fame tight end for the Broncos and the Ravens last week. When you put language in any kind of documentation that states probably likely, 
That means there's a level of uncertainty. There's some speculations. That means that we don't know. We're unsure. Mario, that's just like saying my wife is probably likely pregnant. No, either you are <laughs> or you're not. Which, which one is it? And so because of that, and so many people have gone out on social media, uh, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, and just kind of throwing Tom Brady under the bus. And for me, I said, well, listen, I'm going to reserve the right to wait till all the details and information come out before I put my neck on the line and just have defamation of character with this Hall of Fame or will be Hall of Fame quarterback. But I toss this out to you, Mario, as I put on social media. If you go back to an article posted by Deadspin Magazine on January 20th, I believe, of this year, you can hear Phil Simms talking to Jim Nance on a CBS broadcast when they're talking about Aaron Rodgers. And that would be the Super Bowl winning quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, of the Green Bay Packers, who said, and I quote, he likes to test the limits of the rules by putting more air in the ball then the NFL regulates because he has larger hands. That's an added advantage for him because now he can spin the ball. Now, so much talk has been said about Tom Brady and the fact of air being taken out. We don't know exactly how much PSI was taken out. But we're talking about air, ladies and gentlemen. We're not talking about vehicular manslaughter. We're not talking about domestic violence here. We're not talking about someone who can't kick a weed habit. We're talking about air. So this whole thing for me, Mario, it's full of air. And how, how is it that no one's talking about Aaron Rodgers tampering with the football? The league states that you can't do it. Well, here, here, here's my take on that, Nick. In we're comparing it to, I've heard it compared to, you know, using a cork bat in, uh, in baseball or, you know, with a pitcher using pine tar. I think that they view it, Nick, as if you're overinflating the ball. And again, we can ask Jake about this and, you know, maybe his preference. But, you know, I, I played quarterback on a flag football team. I know it doesn't mean much, but I would have rather had the ball a little bit deflated, certainly, than overinflated. I don't want to feel like I'm throwing a rugby ball, Nick. So I think they're <laughs> assimilating this. Like if we're talking using baseball terms, this would be like the opposite of using a cork bat. This would be like going out there and swinging, you know, a 40-ounce bat as opposed to like a 34, 35, like, you know, these guys typically swing. No one's going out there with a massive bat because then it slows down, uh, slows down your bat swing and you can't get around to hit that 96 mile an hour fastball. So maybe that's why we're not hearing it, Nick. It's like, well, yeah, like you, you don't, you're not supposed to overinflate the ball, but why would you want to do that? So maybe they just feel like Aaron Rodgers is putting himself at a disadvantage and they're ignoring it. Like he's made, making it harder on himself, whatever. Let him, let him do what he wants. The only thing that I can think of as far as an advantage of having the ball overinflated, Nick, is it starts to get maybe a little bit more rounded. Like if you can visualize a rugby ball, it's a little bit more rounded, doesn't have the points. And I, honestly, I, I don't know. I don't know how that gives him an advantage, Nick. I'm trying to work this out in my head. I feel like that would be harder to throw than a regular football, but who knows? It Obviously, it works for Aaron Rodgers. Well, you know what? We'll ask Jake Plummer, who are coming up in the second segment about that. Uh, how does he like his footballs as far as air in and air out and the preparation? But still, you know, when you look at that game, and I, I always encourage everyone to go back to that particular game. You look at that first half. You, and both Brady and Andrew Luck were privy to the 11 out of 12 balls that they say that the air was taken out. <clears throat> so to me, neither quarterback played great in that first half, especially Tom Brady. 
Then in the second half, apparently they put the regulated amount of air into the ball, and we know what the ending product was, 45 to 7. But what I have people to do when you go back, and I encourage you to watch it, Josh Cribbs, ball hit him in the face mask, fumble on the floor. You had receivers and running backs, whether it was downfield or coming out of backfield, dropping balls. T.Y. Hilton could not get open. How much of that are you going to blame on the flake gate? And you heard Phil Simmons, once again, going back to that dead spin article. I'll put that up on Twitter uh, at the end of the show. You heard him say that most quarterbacks like the ball soft. So what I heard Phil Simms say is that quarterbacks do and have taken some air out of the ball. But the only difference is maybe the refs did not see this. Maybe the refs did not pay attention as these quarterbacks didn't, Mario, because Drew Brees and Drew Bledsoe both said when you're in the midst of competition – the last thing you're trying to evaluate is how much air is that, in the ball. Yeah, exactly. When, here's the way I see it, Nick. I'm not going to be one of those people that comes out and says that the reason the Patriots beat the Colts in that game is because the balls were a little deflated. Like I, I, I'm not going to be that guy. Let's be adults. Let's be realistic and call it what it is. The Patriots routed the Colts. It wouldn't matter if they were playing with racquetballs, tennis balls, you know, <laughs> rugby balls. What, they could have been playing with a, an imaginary football, Nick. It wouldn't have mattered. The Patriots rolled the Colts that day. They were just 10 times better. Now, if it was a close game, Nick, and, you know, maybe the Colts lost by a last-second field goal or a Hail Mary or something like that, then we would have a big issue. But the fact that the the Patriots rolled the Colts, I'm not going to say that that is why they lost. However, when something like this gets brought to light, it makes you wonder how often that they've done it. Like how many times have they cheated and not gotten caught? We already know that this organization has a black mark on it. We already know this. You know, we already know about Spygate. We already know about the things that Bill Belichick has done. And, you know, they, they, had, they got a slap on the wrist because, as we said last week, he's BFS with Robert Kraft. So who knows? Like, they're just they're pushing the limits. They're seeing how much they can get away with before somebody drops the hammer. So my question, I'm sure this is never going to come out, Nick. 20, 30, 40 years from now, we're never going to know how many times the balls were actually deflated. Maybe it was just that one game. But if they did it then, then it, I find it very hard to believe that they never did it until that point, well, well, let me especially ask during question. that regular season. Okay, well, let me ask you this question then, Mario. Would you be surprised that at some point some study came out that said that majority of the quarterbacks that play in the NFL currently or previously – took some kind of air out of the ball. Would this somehow change your perception of the league? Would this change your perception of the current rules? But more importantly, would this change your perception of all this criticism and ridicule that the Patriots and Tom Brady are now undergoing? Uh, Here's the thing, and I'm going to relate it back to baseball again just to put this all into perspective. When you found out uh, all of the, the big long list of MLB players that did steroids when that report came out way, way back in the day, it was still Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens at the forefront. Why? Because they had more success. There were plenty of guys that had done steroids that didn't have any success. So Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, they were used as the poster boys for steroid use. If it were to come out years later that everybody was deflating footballs, you know, this big long list, they're going to take the biggest names, including Tom Brady, 
And, you know, whoever else, I mean, maybe they find that Aaron Rodgers is overinflating balls and they decide to make an example out of both of them. These two become the poster children for inflated balls. That doesn't mean that everyone else is innocent. It just means that these were very high caliber players at, you know, arguably the best in the league. And they were doing this. And so you're making the argument, oh, well, everybody else is doing it. We might as well do it, too. So the severity kind of goes down. It's like, oh, well, now it's more of a black eye on the league instead of just Tom Brady. But regardless, no matter what happens, Nick, it could come out that every single team in the NFL did it. It's always going to go down as Tom Brady doing it first, especially in that Patriots organization that had to go through Spygate in order to win a Super Bowl. Allegedly, there's always going to be that asterisk, always, whether it's proven that every team does it or that they were the only ones. Tom Brady is going to be a Hall of Famer, but he's still going to have that. Well, he did this. That's never going to go away. This is a permanent stain on his resume. Well, we, it's, it's still yet to be determined, and I'm glad that uh, the NFLPA has stepped in. And, and Tom Brady has decided to hire Jeffrey Kessler, who's no stranger to the NFL and fighting the NFL as far as union violations. And uh, he also is a graduate, an alumnus of Columbia University. And you know who else is an alumnus of Columbia University? Robert Kraft. (laughs) So so there's there's so much that's going to that's going into you got Spygate has got these conspiracy theories. What's going to happen we, we don't know, but it is must-see TV, and Roger Goodell is the commissioner of NFL, is sitting front and center stage. You know what, Mario? I, I wonder if Paul Tagliabue is going to intervene in this one uh, yet again, like he did with the Jonathan Vilma and the St. Louis, uh, excuse me, not St. Louis, but the New Orleans Saints. Uh, coming up after the break, we'll talk to longtime Denver Bronco, Jake Plummer, and see exactly is there a Myths, truths to this whole ball scandal, and how did he like his footballs prepared going into live action game? You're listening to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective with Mario Batanzi here on Voice America Sports. We'll be back on the opposite side of this break. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? <laughs> Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. internet flagship station for sports voice america sports 
To Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to nickferkshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Bill and I have been together for 15 years. They are my guys, they are part of my family. And Bill, Tom, and I have had many difficult discussions over the years, and I have never known them to lie to me. And it bothers me greatly that their reputations and integrity, and by association, that of our team, has been called into question this past week. I am confident that this investigation will uncover whatever the facts were that took place last Sunday and the science of how game balls react to changes in the environment. Well, that, that was Robert Kraft right back before the New England Patriots faced off against the Seattle Seahawks and uh, the Super Bowl, and you can see him adamantly saying that his team did not do anything to alter the balls. He believes... Cole Harley and Bill Belichick and Tom Brady and the facts will come out uh, as they will when once the investigation takes place and we already know what the Wells report has indicated it's probably likely that Tom Brady knew something about the deflated balls with that I'd like to bring in Jake Plummer you can find him on Twitter at snake stakes former Arizona State standout and Denver Broncos Jake you know what it's, it's so much has been said about this. We had uh, your fellow teammate Shannon Sharp on last week, and, and he was adamant about his disgrace about Tom Brady and the organization as a guy who touches the ball on every single play. Tell our listeners, what is it like in preparation for a game and taking those balls from the practice field to the game field? Well, thank, one, thanks for having me on the show today, Nick. It's always fun to catch up with you, and uh, this whole thing going on with the with the balls and Brady it's uh you know it's sad we're still talking about it here in May uh you know the balls are 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 important uh to a quarterback it's our it's our tool as a carpenter has a hammer or a, or a saw or one of his tools he uses every single day no matter what the football is our is our baby it's we got to feel comfortable holding that thing we got to feel comfortable with it in our hands and what we do with it will directly correlate to whether we win or lose as a team. I mean, your, your defense can ball out and play really, really well, but if a QB doesn't take care of the ball and do his job, you're, you're, it's worthless. You, know, you don't get that win. So having a ball that you feel good, uh, you know, dropping back, holding, and, and, and delivering and throwing and everything, that's, that's huge. And I, I'm a little baffled that there's a rule that, that limits um, you know, the quarterbacks from conditioning and, and, and having a ball that feels good in their hands. I mean, the job that they have to do it's an intense, uh, very, very hard job to do. And I don't think that having the ball deflated it at all, a uh, little less, made Tom Brady's job any easier. Uh, I don't think it, it gave them any unfair advantage. I mean, it's a football. You still got to catch it. You still got to throw it. You still got to do all that stuff, breaking tackles and all that. It's just that there is a rule in place that he broke knowingly. And, uh, you know, I don't know if it's called cheating or maybe gaining that competitive edge. But whatever it was, he did break the rules, and punishment has been laid down, which I think is too harsh. 
But uh, the football is really important, and I know that my playing days and back in Denver in 06 is when they first allowed us to condition our own footballs and, like, get them ready for the games when we go on the road. Other than that, we rip them right out of the plastic bag and start playing, and it was, it was nerve-wracking to go up to the under center and have a ball that was slick and had that little sheen on it. I mean, it, that's why I lick my fingers to this day when I'm playing catch, even with my son. It's like I have this OCDC thing where I lick my fingers to make sure I have that stickiness and tackiness that gives me a, a reassurance that I'm going to be able to throw that ball where I need it. So big issue going on. I feel bad that Tom's going to be suspended for four games. I think that's a little bit heavy of a, of a price to pay. We're talking to Jake Plummer, former Arizona State standout and Denver Broncos. Jake, let's back up for a second. You talked about a deflated ball. How difficult is it to throw a deflated ball down the field? Well, deflated balls, if, if there's too much air let out of them, it's hard to throw. I mean, they're not, it's not fun to throw a flat ball. Uh, I, I like my balls to be a little bit, not deflated, but a little on the softer side. Not soft, you know, like less of a rock. I mean, you playing ball, anybody out there that's played catch with a football, you get one of those brand new ones, catch the seams or the, the, the laces on, a, on an overinflated ball, it'll rip your hand apart. So, obviously, having a ball that you can sink your fingers into just a little bit just allows you to, like, have better control when you're dropping back. And me being a scrambler, you know, I wasn't tucking it three-point hold when I'm scrambling, breaking tackles. I was holding it in one hand and, and making guys, trying to get, make guys miss. So to have a good, firm grip on, on the ball, <laughs> you know, when the, the times you see a quarterback go and that ball comes flying out, that's because that thing is probably hard as a rock, it's not conditioned, and they don't have big hands or strong hands. And so, it, 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 you know, it's important. And, uh, you know, I, I, I did some stuff to some balls prior to games. I'd grab them and rub them in the grass because I'd just try to take off that little bit of a, a, a shine on it because, man, my job here was so stressful, and I didn't want to have to worry about the football being slick when I went out on the field. So uh, the job of playing quarterback is an extremely difficult job, and I think that the rule needs to go away. I would be full 100% behind that. If Tom went that route and tried to get all the QBs behind him, I think we should change that ridiculous rule and let the quarterbacks have the ball that feels good in their hands. Jake, I just want to make sure that you're not altering any of the handballs that you play with because, you know, you're very talented. You and your brother are very, very talented handball players. I just want to make sure that you guys are, are playing the game the way that it's meant to be played. You know, you're not deflating those balls that you use or overinflating or whatever's going to give you an advantage. I just wanted to clear that up before we go any farther. Listen, man, handball is a gladiator-esque kind of sport. It's mano, mano a mano. You give me a wall... And give me a ball. I don't care what that ball is. As long as it's, you've got a chance to play some handball, I'm happy. So you're saying, so here's my question now. You're saying that it was, it was too, too much of a disciplinary action. If you were in charge, this was up to you. And when we had Shannon this, he said he would want Brady out eight games, possibly more. If it was up to you and you had to hand out the punishment, what would it have been? Would you have taken away draft picks like they did? Would you have fined them? Would Brady even be suspended for a game? Uh, what's your take on that? Well, I don't know. I don't, I don't like to play commissioner because that job is a tough job. Uh, but I just don't think that, that the crime that he committed, that they're saying is such a crime, uh, I don't think that, that the punishment fits that. You know, to take away his livelihood and what he does, and not only that, but to take away and to punish a guy who has been very 
very instrumental in, in the, the blossoming and obviously ever-expanding NFL across the globe to now a multi-billion dollar industry. I mean, Tom Brady has played a humongous part in that, and you're punishing him for doing his job and doing it at a high level. Whether the balls are deflated or not, he's doing it at a level very few guys can do it at. And I think there's probably, I can't say this, but I I would venture to guess there could be some QBs around the league that are walking around with a little bit of a clenched it up a little worried thinking oh man what if they come <laughs> check our balls you know because we're going to do whatever it takes as a, as a competitor to get that competitive edge and the fact that it is cheating I, that they're calling it cheating that's my point it's like this rule is ridiculous why are we being told quarterbacks guys trying to kill us to tear us in half why can't we have a football we feel good throwing it's it's just an insane uh, t- insane thing to comprehend that they're not allowing <laughs> these guys that are the faces of their franchises to have a goddamn ball that feels good in their hands, whether it's at 11 PSI or like Aaron Rodgers, he likes it pumped up higher. Why can't he have it pumped up higher? There's, it's a football, people. It still takes highly, high, highly trained amount of skill to, to play the game. The ball isn't going to give you that much of an advantage. Well, well Jake, that was going to be my next question. With the rules being what they are as far as no tampering, either taking air out or adding air in, uh, there was something that came out on, on Deadspin magazine in January that it actually said, and it feel, Sim said in the broadcast that Aaron Rodgers said that he likes to put more air in the ball than is regulated. So if you're mm-hmm. going to ridicule and punish and suspend Tom Brady four games, whether you believe in it or not, I think it's fair, but... What's it happen to Aaron Rodgers, knowing as though he likes to put more air in the ball? Well, nothing, nothing happens to him because I guess you know, he's admitting that. And I think you, you bring up a great point and something I've also uh, thought and talked about a little bit is like when this first came out, there was the air of like, oh, what, don't know what you're talking about. What, what do you mean? And y- you, know, you know, Nick and the equipment guys. Those guys are your boys. I mean, especially me. I mean, I, they would have my Gatorade sitting right where I needed it. They had my stuff in my lockers. I didn't have to worry about it. I come on the sideline, I need this. Boom, it was there. I mean, they took care of me. So the whole thing from the get-go was handled incorrectly, I believe. You sh- he, Tom should have headed it off and, and said, this is how I like my balls. What's the big deal? And it could have been gone and a non-issue, I believe. But the way it played out, uh, to, to claim, I have nothing, what do you mean? I don't know what you're talking about. Now, an investigation has, has found that there, are definitely, there was definitely tampering. And, you know, whether the ball boy just did a little bit too long of a, you know, hey, oh, damn, I went too far. I mean, it, it, I don't see what the big deal is, and I don't think that he should be punished like this. Now, Aaron Rodgers, if he likes him overinflated and he's saying he's been doing that, you know, if I was Tom, I'd be talking to every other quarterback in the league saying, yo, you guys, let's sign this thing and take this right to Goodell's office and y'all come with me and say, don't find me because we all take the balls and make them feel good in our hands because I guarantee you that every quarterback in the league wants a ball that feels good in their hands and they're going to do whatever they can to make that ball feel good. That's why the rule should be swept away. Get, away, get rid of the PSI rule and let these guys that are being paid millions of dollars to go out and do their job and entertain. So, Jake, you're saying that the equipment managers, the ball boys, those they were all your boys. You were really close with them. What would happen if you found out that they were, like, talking trash about you behind your back, or do you think that was just from Brady being a jerk to them? 
I don't know what that relationship is with Brady and his guys. I don't know Brady well enough to know how he treats people at a grocery store or you know anybody that's not in his circle. You know, I'm not sure. I don't know him well enough. But I know the equipment guys, uh, especially the guys in Denver, they're still my boys. I mean, when I go to that building, I was out there just a while back, Chris Valenti, Chris, you know, he's the one who let me in the building, and I went into the equipment room first. I mean, those are the guys that to this day still take care of me, and they knew what I wanted, what I needed. They got it, got it for me. There were times when I would scream at them, and, and where's my, you know, I'd be mad as hell because it's right in the heat of the moment, and my speakers and my helmet weren't working, and I, man, I got to get out and do my job. So, you know, there were times that, that it got hot and heated and words were exchanged, but we loved each other, man, and we respected each other. And, and I hope that they've never, you know, maybe they've said some bad words, but I know that the relationship we have is good, and I don't know what Tom's is with those guys over there, and I'm sure this has put a lot of stress and strain on not only Tom, but also those guys that are just trying to earn a living. And I really hope that, you know, they don't, they don't get, uh, become the villains in this whole thing because, trust me, a football is a quarterback's best friend on the field. I mean, you want it to be the way you want it, and you, you tell the guys how you want it. So whether Tom steps up and admits it or not, I have a hard time believing that he didn't know this was going on. Well, Jake, I know you are not just an average football fan and handball uh, player. I know you are an avid basketball fan as well. And, and yeah. I saw something you took to Twitter last week and you were talking about the whole hack-a-shack, hack-a-Jordan, hack-a-Dwight uh, technique, and you said you were not in favor of this. So explain, explain to us why you're not in favor of the whole strategy of hacking a player to send him to the free-throw line. Well, I don't know. You know, it, it's, uh, it could go a lot of different routes here. I know that I stopped watching the NBA for a while in 2000, and I tried to figure out, Around the 2000s, you know, for a little break there, I didn't watch, and I realized that's when Hack-A-Shack started happening. And, uh, you know, you, you go play pickup hoops. What's the last thing you want to do? Have some guy calling a foul every time he dribbles through the lane. That sucks. I didn't come here to stand around and have some guy call fouls. I came here to run and to play. And so when you watch a game, I'm here to watch these athletes. He's the best athletes in the world, I believe, on a, on a basketball court. I almost said handball court. <laughs> on a handball court. These guys are amazing. And, and to, to stop the flow, to, to interrupt the way that game just carries on and moves and the movements and the athletic things that, that you're witnessing to, to gain this advantage, I just, it goes against the morals of the game, I believe. And I like to watch fast-paced hoops. I never liked watching the, in high school or college or if we played a team where they do a box and one or they do the four square offense. I mean, who came to watch you pass the ball around and hold it? I mean, we, we're watching basketball to watch these insane athletes perform. Yeah, DeAndre Jordan should learn how to shoot free throws. I'm sure he's going to, but it just it ruins the game. I turn it off. I, I won't even probably watch the Clippers-Houston game tonight because it's going to be, if, if they fall behind, they'll start hacking DeAndre Jordan, and it's and it just it's no fun to watch. 888-346-9144 gets you into the conversation. We're talking to longtime Denver Bronco, Jake Plummer. Now we're talking about Hackershack, and he's not, not liking the, the technique. For, for me, and, and I responded on Twitter saying, look, if you cannot shoot free throws, it is not my fault. It's not my team's fault. It, is, is it something that fans feel as though it's disruptive of the game? It, it makes the game longer? To me, so what? That's part of the strategy. Don Nelson uh, instrumented this, this technique uh, back in, I think, early uh, 2000s when 
I guess when you say you stopped watching basketball against yep. Shaquille O'Neal because he was so massive, he was he was a threat down low. But more importantly, they knew, you know, from the scouting report that he could not shoot free throws. So to me, yes, it does slow down the game, but it is about strategy. The idea is learn to shoot free throws. The game is fundamentally, and you have to be fundamentally sound. If you don't, teams are going to foul you. You're not going to be an attribute to your team late in the game. But I, I don't know. You know, some you know don't like it, Jake. You know, I, I think it's a, I think it's a great strategy. Well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. When it comes down to when Shaq, I don't, I, I can't recall because I kind of I stopped. Like I said, I stopped watching. Were they just were they fouling him at half court with their little pitter patter, like little hug foul that they're doing? It's not even a foul. They're giving him a hug. They're hugging DeAndre Jordan and giving him a kidney slap or a belly tap. Was Shaq getting fouled wherever he was on the court back then? I don't know. Well, well, you know what? Some sometimes it all depends if the ball was in his hand because I know the NBA has a rule that they implemented, you know, going back, dating back as far as Wilt Chamberlain, because it was still the Hacker Chamberlain back in the early uh, 70s and 60s. But you can't foul a guy who does not have the ball. And like you said, we're talking about the flake gate and change in the PSI rule, just kind of eliminated that in its totality. So I think the NBA is eventually going to step in because there's so much criticism about the Hacker Dwight, the Hacker Jordan, that they're going to implement this strategy now where you cannot do that uh, at, at all. So I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. But once again, you said you're not watching the game tonight against the Clippers and the Houston Rockets. I'm definitely going to watch it because something's going to happen. Someone's going to get hacked. Well, I'm going to watch until they start doing that, and then I'll probably, you know, watch something else. But, you know, it's just, it's just something that the game is such a beautiful thing. And I feel that the, the Hacker-Jordan thing, uh, it, I relate it to a fast break. Someone's going on a fast break, and, oh, my God, LeBron's got the ball. They're gonna, and someone back 20 feet behind the play will hack somebody, and they'll, they'll call foul. And then they, we don't get a witness. What? We don't know what we just missed. So I don't like that rule. I, don't think it's, I just think that the game is better, and it serves the players and the fans much more when that flow continues. I watched the Hawks-Wizards. Great great game going on, man. The refs are letting them play. And the Cavs-Bulls also, they're letting them play. They're not calling ticky-tacky fouls. Then you turn the Houston-LA game on, it takes 84 minutes to watch in actual time a 24-minute half. Come on. Who wants to watch you know, PGA golf when it's the NBA, man? This is high-flying highlights, and we're getting cheated out of it because of a strategic advantage. I think it sucks. That's my take. Well, well <laughs> Jake, always great to have you on, and thank you for your secondary perspective. But I guess if any individual or company loves the fact of you got Jordan on one end and you have Dwight Howard, is advertising because that's more advertising, bill commercials. So, so it, it works great. So, listen, I will tweet you during this game, and I know the first moment someone is hacked, you're going to tune out, but I'm going to tweet you to see what's going to happen tonight. Once again, thank you, Jake Plummer, for joining the program. Hey, thank you, and go Clippers. Hey, Jake, did you ever throw an interception to Nick during practice? All the time, man. I, I had to make those guys better, too, on the other end. you got to give them a shot <laughs> when you're practicing because that way they get their hands on it, and they're DBs for a reason. But, you know, Nick, you had, you had good hands, you know. I mean, those guys that were athletes, I, I always try to press them and try to make them make me better by making them better, and they make, you know, the vice versa. We push each other to get better. It was some good times. Jake, you're such a nice guy. I feel like every once in a while you would just throw a pick up to Nick just to just to get his spirits up. 
Never, never. Now, when I got benched <laughs> late, late in my career and had to run scout team, and they tell you where to throw it, that's when I was doing whatever I wanted. I was throwing the ball wherever I felt like. So I might have done that back then at the very end of my career, but never, man. I'm too much of a competitor. <laughs> I got you. Well, see, once again, Jake, I, I appreciate your honesty, and you always welcome on this program, despite the fact that I have to, st- I have to share a microphone with Mario McKenzie, but always <laughs> great to have you on, Jake. <laughs> it's good talking to you two, you guys also, man. Uh, I miss you, Nick, and Mario, I'll probably see you someday here soon, and good talking to you guys, and thanks for having me on the show today. It was awesome. Uh, yeah, no you're the problem. man, Jake. Coming up after the break, the new cover of John Madden. Who's on the cover? Find out next on Secondary Perspective here on Voice America Sports. <laughs> The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need to finish his ass and then move oh, on. I just, and get I just ready think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? <laughs> Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickferkshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Great stuff from one Jake Plummer. Once again, you can find him at Snakesteaks on Twitter. Mario, you know, when I started thinking about this whole deflate gate, Roger Goodell and Bill Belichick, uh, Robert Kraft, Tom Brady, and, and Jeffrey Kessler, something came to mind. And it might come back to you, it might be in a little nostalgic moment. I'll just go ahead and say it, and you tell me if you get it. And you can choose who might say this, but I'm thinking it would be Jeffrey Kessler probably talking to, to Roger Goodell. And he said, we live in a world with walls, and those walls need to be protected by men with guns. Who's going to do it? You, Roger Goodell? Say, did I order the cold red? Yes. You're doing right. I you ordered the cold right red. You did right, I did. <laughs> you want us on that wall. You need us on that wall. <laughs> yeah, and a lot, like some of our listeners, Nick, they can't handle the truth. We drop truth bombs. Not everybody can handle it. Hey, you know what? That was great stuff 
from, from Jake Plummer. I know there's been other quarterbacks and other programs, but they did not break it down the way Jake broke it down. And that's the one thing I've been trying to say. Everyone's talking about Tom Brady and the fact of, well, he cheated. It was, it was his t- intent. And yeah, he knew about it. Yeah. He, maybe there's a possibility that he did because just like Jake said, there's quarterbacks that like to take a little air out of the ball, maybe, because they like the feel of the ball. And Phil Simms said, once again, in that CBS broadcast, hey, several quarterbacks like the ball this way so they can sink their fingers in it. Aaron Rodgers said he likes it with more air. So I agree with Jake Plummer. And then that's you know, all I, I, I would saying. love to. Get rid of it would- entirely. I would love to hear him and Shannon because, you know, we had Shannon on the show last week and he was so adamant about disciplining Tom Brady. You know, he wanted him out for half of a season, Nick, you know, and uh, now Jake is saying, you know, shouldn't have been disciplined at all. And so these guys who were on the same team, same organization, completely different viewpoints, obviously different positions. And, you know, it's interesting to, to hear that from a quarterback versus a tight end. And, you know, Shannon is a little more boisterous than Jake, to say the <laughs> least. But I would love to see those two debate this because they are on complete opposite ends of the spectrum. But they're they're still so knowledgeable in their own right. And they had such great points between the two of them. And, you know, you would get, you know, the cool, calm, collected side of Jake Plummer and then the the in your face over the top argument from Shannon Sharp. I would pay to see that. I would pay one hundred dollars to see that before I pay one hundred dollars to see Mayweather Pacquiao, too. So hopefully, hopefully Shannon doesn't put him in that uh, full Mayweather chokehold. Uh, hopefully. hopefully yeah, oh, you, you think he's going to Mayweather him? Yeah, yeah, just like you tried to Mayweather me at the tail end of uh, uh, that, that last break in the second segment, put me in the chokehold, asking Jay Plummer, did he have sympathy for me, just kind of threw me a sympathetic in- interception in, the, in practice, <laughs> put me in a chokehold like that. Come on, don't you ever do that. Don't you ever attempt to do that. Yeah, I'm just saying, if, if, if I'm in that wife? position, if I'm in that position, I'm not saying, like, you know you're one of my favorite players, Nick. Come on, dude. Let's let's not do this. I'm just saying, you know, if I, if I had one of my boys on my team and, you know, he needed, like, a little some little extra help, I would say, hey, man, he's going to run a post right now. You step in front of that ball, and we're going to keep you on first team. You know what you know I'm what? saying? I, Mario, I would do that first, for you, Nick. You're my brother. I would, all, I, would, I would throw interceptions no. for you all day, every day. You know what? See, we already had this conversation before. During uh, the NFL season last year, fantasy points. We we know you want fantasy points, and this will not no, help your team. I would I would not have my own damn self on my fantasy team because I would be throwing interceptions to you because I would want you to have the opportunity to get a pick six. So you know what, Mario? I I don't believe that you you. you you're the type of guy that put your own self on your own fantasy team, so now you can control the point. Oh, well, you know what? You know what? Uh, I'm betting on myself. I would have your defense on my fantasy team. Like, that's, that's the truth. Yeah, whatever, man. Listen, uh, and some college football news. Everett Ghost and the former quarterback of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish has decided that he was going to transfer. And of the schools that are on this list that he visited, he has Florida State, UGA, and University of Florida, but Alabama and Nick Saban are in the mix. I said it before with, you know, you lose your quarterback, Blake Sims. Who better to come in than an athletic quarterback with the same skill type, maybe a little more mobile in the pocket, than a guy like Everett Gosen? What do you think about this? Um, 
You know, I think I like it for the most part, Nick. You look at the, a, an Alabama team and a Nick Saban team, quarterback's really not that important. I mean, look back at A.J. McCarron and some of the guys that were really successful Alabama quarterbacks. It's not like it's going to translate over to the pros. It's not like these guys are system quarterbacks. The Alabama team in itself, the defense and the offensive line, receivers, running backs, every other position, Nick, is so strong. You can kind of just plug in a guy quarterback. He doesn't have to be good. Like, yeah, he's got to make some throws every now and again but when you're throwing to a wide open Amari Cooper Nick it's really not that hard to play division one college football yeah no 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 it's not uh, but I, I think he is an excellent quarterback and he will serve them well if he chooses to go down to Alabama and I know one person that would be definitely happy about that a friend of the program Bobby West and I know right now he's rubbing his hands together he has a four-leaf cobra and everything else, probably eating Lucky Charm cereal a, right now. Got a lucky rabbit's foot. Yeah, ho- hoping that Everett goes and comes to Roll Tide because he wants to do just that, Roll Tide. Now, you know what? Last night, of course, just NBA time. Golden State Warriors and the Memphis Grizzlies. But our MVP of the league, Stephen Curry, great sensational player, made history last night, six three-pointers, Six steals in one game, even though he only had about 18 points. But here's what his teammates had to say about him upon accepting last week the MVP award. More to describe anybody, but for Steph, amazing, lethal, humble, rare, amazing, relentless, genuine. One word I'll use to describe Steph is a monster. Curry for the lead. Favorite MVP moment. There's a lot of them, actually. The thing when he put 50-something on Dallas. Curry, deep three. Good! There's 10 threes! Steph represents what it is to be a warrior. I think what he does on a nightly basis, he's just unbelievable. Well-grounded, special human being. He's the man. Congratulations, Steph. Congrats, Steph. Congratulations, Steph. Congratulations, Steph. Congratulations, Steph Curry on winning the MVP. Congratulations, Wardell Stephen Curry on winning the MVP award. Proud of you, dog. Well, that's what his teammates had to say about uh, Stephen Curry. And uh, even though, once again, he didn't score, you know, more than 20 points, he still had 18 points. Like I said, uh, NBA record. But if you watch this game, it was an eight-point lead by Golden State at the half. And then the end of the score was uh, 98-78. Tremendous effort by the team. And they did it playing defense. I don't care where you play, what profession. If you play defense... It would definitely prepare you for it, but some great games slated here uh, for Thursday night, Cavs versus Bulls, and what could be a closeout game for the Cleveland Cavaliers, and what's at stake for the Cleveland Cavs is they get early rest, they can eliminate the nagging Chicago Bulls, but Paul Gasol nursing a bad hamstring is now going to be thrusted back into uh, the lineup because, hey, it's win or go home. So, uh, Who you got tonight, Nick? Well, you know what? I, I, I want to see this game. And you look at, across all the games that are being played, you know, it, it's 3-2. And it's great for, uh, for basketball, but I like this Bulls team. It's something about them. Tom Thibodeau is playing for his job. I don't know why Scott Brooks was fired early this year because he, they felt as though he didn't do a sensational job in OKC, which I don't believe. But I like the Bulls. I want to see the Bulls. Get win this series, but more importantly, you go to the Clippers and the Houston series. I want to see Chris Paul get get out of the second round. I really want to see him get out of the second round. But it would be great 
if we saw the Clippers and Golden State because Steph Curry, CP3, you know it's going to happen. Someone's going to get crossed over, and it might be CP3 because he's definitely on Stephen Curry's uh, highlight. But uh, the Atlanta-Washington series, I-, I would like to see Paul Pierce deal with the Wizards. Is yet to be seen. The truth almost came through last night, but Al Harford came in, boxed out, got the two-point bucket. You tell me who you like to see. The truth is, Nick, I'm sick of Paul Pierce. I I need some new blood. I know the Wizards haven't been there, and they're building a really great thing there in Washington. If they had John Wall, it might be a completely different story. But, you know, we really like this Atlanta team going in, so I'm going to stick with them for now. Uh, But I think Cleveland is eventually going to make it. Uh, I think that Chicago's going to win tonight at home, and then Cleveland's going to close out a game seven. Uh, and I'm also going to take the Clippers here. And I know you said CP3 versus uh, Steph Curry would be a great matchup. Honestly, I would rather see James Harden versus Steph Curry, but I don't think that's going to happen. The way the Clippers are playing right now, ever since Shaquille O'Neal uh, criticized them on the roast of Justin Bieber, go back and watch it, Nick. Chris Paul was in the audience, and Shaq straight up said, you guys suck. Ever since then, they've been one of the hottest teams in the NBA. <laughs> so maybe he did it to wake them up, man. I don't know, but... Give me the Clippers and uh, the Bulls to win tonight. Before we get out of here, let's do a little house cleaning. Despite the flake gate and everything's taking place, Tom Brady merchandise is flying off the shelf. Sales are up 100%. And Odell Beckham Jr. now graces the cover of John Madden. Hopefully it is not a Madden curse for the sensational young player out of LSU. I really would have liked and Gronk to win so that then he would have been cursed. I mean, that's who I was rooting see, for. See, see, now, see, there you go. Now, there you go. You, you just had to end the show with the Floyd Mayweather chokehold. You just had to. You I just mean, can't I, help I'm it, just, Hey, do you want honesty or do you want honesty or not, Nick? The Madden curse is real. We can talk about it another time in a different show. You look back at the history, it speaks for itself. I would much rather see the Madden curse befall... Rob Gronkowski than Odell Beckham Jr. I hope he breaks it, but you can't. It's fact. Well, you know what? Listen, He's going to succumb to the Madden curse. It's sad. In the NFL, you get suspended for a year and fine for the words you just used. You're wanting a guy to get injured. I'm not in the, uh, I'm not in the NFL, Nick. I can say whatever I want. Well, you're absolutely right. You can. Choco Mayweather style. <laughs> I would like to <laughs> I would like to thank uh, Jake Plummer for joining the program. And Justin for working the boards. Mario, as always, choco, choco, choco. That's what I I'm do. I'm your host, Nick Ferguson. And NBA basketball this weekend, hopefully your team wins. Even if not, celebrate and have a great weekend. Nick Ferguson, Secondary Perspective with Mario Batanzi. And we are gone. <laughs> Thanks again for stopping by. Be sure to catch Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. in the West on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll share some more great stories next week. 